Good morning. For those of you, um, my name is Bruce, and I'm one of the pastors here at Open Life, and I work with students. So it's a privilege for me when I get to come up here and share with you the things that God has placed upon my heart. Uh, several weeks ago, we kind of talked about the different sermon series, and uh, we were walking through the book of Luke. And I know as maybe some of you have actually read ahead, so when we started, we're going to do this series through Luke. We're going to walk through the entire book that you guys started to read ahead. So some of you probably read Luke 1 and Luke 2, and you got to Luke 3, and you started reading, reading, reading. Then you get to the genealogy, and you're just like, I cannot wait for that Sunday when we get to talk about the genealogy and read all these cool names that I can't pronounce. Today is that day. And I hope you guys are excited, because I am. So uh, last week, Jaden was talking about John the Baptist. He talked about baptism. And so now we're going we're gonna to kick right into it. I'm going to start right away. We're going to be in Luke chapter 3, starting with verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Now, the neat thing about not having to do a talk every single week is I got a lot of time to think and pray. And when I work, I was just like, pondering stuff, and I was using that really cool churchy term, I was meditating. And just, first of all, I was reading this, and I'm like, okay, so John the Baptist is baptizing people, and then Jesus goes to be baptized. And I know baptism, you know, the, the kind of the, the way it's explained is it's an outward expression of an inward decision, that you're making an outward expression that Jesus, I'm accepting Jesus in my life, and I want to follow Him. So what was Jesus saying? Is he saying, I'm going to follow Jesus? Wait a minute, I'm following myself. And that's how my brain kind of thinks as I go through this. And so I was like, okay, I got to look, look into this and understand this more. And I did a, I love studying the Bible. I started from the Old Testament. I don't know if any of you guys love the Old Testament. I re- actually do. And it's really fun to read through Leviticus, reading all the, you know, the do's and the don'ts. But I was reading through this, and I, and I saw this baptism of Jesus, and then it just kind of hit me that all throughout Scripture, to me, it's the perfect love story that here's God, and the Old Testament isn't boring, and the New Testament isn't like, wow, it's really cool now, but it's this, you see this entire sequence of how God comes to us, and He's constantly loving us, constantly pursuing us. I don't know about you, but I am kind of a sappy guy. I love love stories. I love My Fair Lady. It's a great musical. The other one I like is, uh, what's it called, The Notebook. Uh, I love that. I cried in The Notebook. I know it's sad. Luckily, I only watched it with Christy, so that was a good thing. But I love those love stories. And as I started to read and think and just think about this, this passage of Scripture, I just thought, this is, to me, an amazing story of how God loves us. So, Jesus, why did he get baptized? And I was thinking about it, and like, Jesus is about to start his ministry, and he could have gone to Jerusalem and said, hey, everybody, I'm here, and hang out with the Pharisees and the scribes and all the studs of the religious world, but he didn't. He ended up going to this river, hanging out with all the sinners and losers and people who just said, um, I need some change in my life. 
And God does that constantly, identifying with the people who we just think we don't have it together. And Jesus goes and He's baptized, and He's identifying with the people who want change in their lives, who say they're just they're sinners and they need change and they want to make life different. And as Jesus is being baptized, He's taking on, and I, I love how Luke is, is showing this, it's like they're showing Jesus' humanity, that He really is a man, and He really is God. I know we, we've, you know, people have said that, how can He be fully man and fully God? It doesn't make any sense. Well, there's some things I just don't understand, but I, I see it. Jesus was taking on this role of just coming in and taking on all this sin and showing us that He's going to come right into the mess of our lives. And symbolically, you know, He's baptized and He comes up. And this is what I am just amazed. The Holy Spirit comes upon Him like a dove, and then the voice from heaven. And the Bible's so funny sometimes because you have to just stop. <sighs> Ooh, that was a big breath. And just go, think of all the people that are around could you imagine that? Just here comes this guy. No one really knows him, okay? Hey, that's that, that carpenter's kid. And he comes walking down, and he gets baptized. And then all of a sudden, what? I mean, it would just, what an amazing moment. And that all of a sudden, here is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all there. And they're coming, and they've come down to be with us. And it just, it blew me away. Something I really hope that we can do today is, I know we can't do interaction, like we can't dialogue while I'm up here and, you know, you guys can ask me questions, it would be kind of strange. But I hope that your mind can be engaged. I, I know often I, my mind just starts to go off and I'm thinking about what we're going to do afterwards. But really try to think about these things. I mean, what was it like for people to see that? All of a sudden, Jesus, and, and all of a sudden, this stuff is happening. And now I want to move on to the next verse, verse 23. So now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was thought, of Joseph. It just seems random, like uh, Jesus is 30, big whoop, starts his ministry. Well, then I started going back and again, you see how God is just consistent over time. You see, it was tradition in the Jewish uh, culture that around 30 is when guys kind of step up. It's kind of their time to take on their role as being a leader, uh, finding some type of work. Well, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, that's when they also took on that role of being a, you know, of being a priest or a pastor or working in the church was around 30 years old. I also looked up some guys you may know. Uh, Joseph, you know, Joseph became his political leader at the age of 30. David became king at the age of 30. Ezekiel, who was a prophet in the Old Testament, uh, he also became, he started his priestly prophetic ministry at 30. And John the Baptist was also 30. And you can keep going back. It was, it was that God takes on the things that we do in our lives. There, there, there's a tradition of, hey, people start at 30, and that's what God did. And He just, He steps into our lives, and He doesn't, like, shake it all up, but He just comes to where we are. And I, that's, when, I, when I read this about Luke, I just thought, that is really cool. He didn't start at 20, where people would go, this kid's way too young. 
He does what is traditional, and he starts at 30. To me, it was really simple. And now, get ready. I hope you guys are excited, because here we go. We're going to start with the genealogy. This is going to be exciting stuff. So in verse, the latter part of verse 23, it says, uh, Now Jesus, he was the son, so it was thought of Joseph. Now, I'm not going to read this whole thing, because some of these names I cannot pronounce. Just let's read a couple. The son of Heli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi. Now, let's just start perusing through here. You're maybe going to recognize some names as they start to go through here. You'll recognize there's, there's Joshua in verse 29. You work your way down. Verse 30, there's Joseph. Verse 31, you see David, King David. Verse 34, you see Abraham. Verse 35, you see Noah. And then the latter part, verse 38, I'll read this. So now the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. The Gospels are four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Good job, Bruce. Again, what I love about God is that He always is reaching different missional groups. And I look at the the Gospels, the message of Jesus, and each Gospel reaches a different group of people. So you got Matthew, and he's writing to the Jewish culture, the Jewish group. And if you read Matthew, the, right out of the chute, Matthew 1, he goes straight into genealogy. Like, why was he doing that? Because the Jews, the way their lives were set up is they knew their history, and they knew the genealogy was that if the Messiah, the Messiah is coming through the tribe of Judah, King David, God had promised King David that, the, that from his seed would come the Messiah. So the Jews knew if this Messiah, this Jesus guy, did not come, and they weren't even going to listen to who Jesus is. And then you look at Mark, and Mark, his gospel was to reach the Romans. And the Romans, multicultural, multi-ethnic, they don't care about genealogies at all. They just want to know, who is this guy? Was he the son of God? You know, what did he do? Then you look at John, and John was reaching uh, the Greeks. Now, the Greeks are really into gods and different thoughts and philosophies, you know, Socrates and Plato, and I think, therefore, I am kind of stuff. And the neat thing about John is he does that. He basically says, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, You know, John 3.16, you know, John 15 is a great book where Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that just kind of shocks some people. Well, Luke, he's reaching, we've talked this, we've mentioned this before, he's reaching the Gentiles, which are basically you and me. It's, It's people who are not of the Jewish heritage. So he's reaching the Gentiles. And the funny thing is that, well, why, why would he do this genealogy like this? Because it's, it's different than Matthew's. And so Christy and I were one time sitting at home, and believe it or not, we were actually talking about this, having I mean, deep thoughts about the genealogy. And she goes, isn't it weird that in Matthew, they go through Joseph's lineage, and in Luke, they are basically taking Mother Mary, Jesus' mother, her lineage, because in my mind, I thought, Joseph really isn't Jesus' biological father, uh, because Mary was a virgin, 
and the Holy Spirit empowered her with this seed, this child, and it was Jesus. Joseph adopted Jesus. But in the Jewish culture, whether you were biological or adoptive, it was one of the same. Whereas for me, Gentile, I think, that's not, that's not the case. You've got to be in the bloodline. Well, God knew that. And so all throughout history, you see this in this genealogy that Mary, her lineage goes right through King David. And then, I lo- it's just amazing, Luke takes it even further, and he goes all the way to the beginning. So I, on your little sheets, there's three things you guys can fill in. And my first point is this. God is faithful from generation to generation. God is faithful from generation to generation. Now, here we go. Interact with me here. Use your minds. From the beginning where, you know, God created Adam and Eve, you just start to see this progression. God keeps working in the lives of people. He comes to Adam. He comes to Noah. He comes to Abraham. He comes to Isaac. And he just, you just see him pursuing us from generation to generation. How about your life? What is your heritage? What are your grandparents like? Your mom, your dad. Maybe you have a messy heritage. My family, I'm actually a first generation uh, here in America. My parents came from Europe. Uh, my dad lived, uh, he lived in a German community in Russia, and my mother lived in a German community in Poland. So if you know anything about World War II, those were two of the main areas that were, you know, Poland was uh, one of the first places that G- the Germans came in and kicked them out. And so my mother, she basically took off down to Austria. We had some relatives down there. And my dad, his family actually was shipped off to Siberia, and my dad was taken into the Hitler youth camps. <laughs> I have a good history here. <laughs> but again, God was faithful generation to generation. My parents then, uh, they both moved at about two years apart. They came to North America. They went to Canada. And I just, my mom told me this story when I was young, and I, you know, I never forgot it. It was, it impacted her so much. She didn't know anybody. Uh, she had a sponsor that she barely knew. She didn't speak English, only German, and she went to this church the first week she was in Canada. And, you know, they're singing, and she hears this woman in front of her, and she's praising God in German. And my mom was so excited. She goes, finally, I find somebody. And so after the service, she goes up to the lady, and talking to this gal, and this gal is just kind of like, I, I don't understand you. And my mom was just shocked. She just thought, thank you, Lord. Obviously, this woman didn't speak German, and it was a very cool story that God reached to my mom and just said, I'm here with you, and, and what's going to happen with you is going to be amazing. We, we moved on, and I grew up in a little podunk town called Lowell, just outside of Eugene, Oregon, and that's why I'm an Oregon Duck fan. But it was this, you know, we had a farm, we had cows and chickens, and I can't stand animals now because of that. But we, I just have the funniest stories of just generational, how God just took us. And now, you know, my three brothers, my two brothers, sorry, we're all pastors at churches. And it's, it's a cool heritage, how God just kept working in our lives. The, uh, the next one, uh, number two point is if, this one I love, (laughs) 
as I'm reading through this, I went back to Matthew, and I started reading through Matthew's genealogy. And I, I hope one day you guys can do this, and maybe you have actually done this. But Jesus, he joined a messy family. Now, again, back to my life in Lowell, Lowell, Oregon, and the mascot was the Lowell Red Devils. It was kind of weird. They had this huge red devil on the back of their gym. My mom hated it. But I would, you know, work out, and, and our church was in that area. It was this little, it was a great country church. Pastor Newt, he was our guy. And so we'd show up on Sunday mornings, and we had those great felt uh, boards. I don't know if you guys have any clue what I'm talking about, but, the, you know, the Sunday school gal would have these little cute little things that would stick on the felt board, and we'd have, like, we'd do a story about Daniel in the lion's den, or, you know, King David, or David and Goliath, or you do, you know, Abraham, you know, he's about to sacrifice Isaac, and they'd stick it up there, and they were heroes. I mean, I walk out of church, I'm like, man, David, woohoo, David, mighty man. David was one of the greatest warriors, and he did all the cool things. Well, then I started doing some research on this, and I thought, wow, you know, you start digging, these guys are messy. For example, Noah. Noah's a stud. He's got a movie out now. You've got to like that, okay? But you look at Noah's life, and you go back to Genesis 5, and I always thought, you know, Noah was a righteous guy. But actually, it was God came to Noah, and He chose, and He, he had favor. God gave Noah favor, and because of that, Noah was righteous. Like, oh, and later on, you know, Noah does the boat thing, and he gets off, and he's hanging out with his family now, and they're starting a whole new thing, and he actually starts a vineyard, and he likes his vineyard so much, he starts downing what comes from the vineyard, and he just gets wasted, and he's out down on his tent naked, and his son walks in, and you're just thinking, wow, go Noah! Like, okay, I can handle that. And so that's Noah, but hey, you know, it's messy, Okay, then you, another guy I love is Abraham. And Abraham, again, God comes to him. And it's amazing the things that, know, I mean, he picked up his family and he took off and he left to an area. He didn't even know where he was going at the time. It's, it's impressive. But in, in, in Genesis 12, you read, you know, Noah, I mean, I'm sorry, Je, uh, Abraham actually tries to give his wife away to this king. <laughs> and then he does it again. You're like, wait a minute. You shouldn't even given your wife away once, yet twice. And, it, and, you know, Abraham always gets fearful, and he's afraid that, you know, something is going to be taken away from him, or he's going to get killed. And, but then God just says, Abraham was a man of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. You know, he's in the hall of faith. You're like, wait, wait a minute, God. How, how does that work? You see, I think so often we come to church thinking we've got to have everything together. Bruce, I can't be a leader, or there's no way God could call me into ministry because my family is a mess. I'm a mess. Look at Noah. Look at Abraham. And now one of my favorite Bible characters is David. I love David because I just think of David as just this, I mean, just the man just on fire, just like ready to, I mean, he traveled with it reminds me of the movie 300. I mean, he traveled with these guys who would die for him, and they're just gone, and they're just killing everything. <laughs> like, for a guy, sorry, ladies. That's kind of cool. So David and his mighty men, and he's just this amazing warrior, and he becomes king, and everybody loves him. And, but then you read about 
It says in the spring when kings go off to fight, David stayed back. Like, well, what are you, why are you doing that for, David? And he's, you know, one day he's up on his rooftop at night reading the newspaper, and he sees this naked gal, and he's like, hmm. And he calls for her, and next thing you know, he sleeps with Bathsheba, and she gets pregnant, and then he tries to connive this whole idea. I'm going to go get her husband, Uriah, who is fighting for David, by the way, one of his mighty soldiers. And he tries to figure out a way, and it doesn't work, and he ends up sending Uriah to the front, and the guy gets killed. I mean, it was a master plan by David. He knew what he was doing. He he killed this guy, basically. And you're thinking, that's a man after God's own heart? And I'm not trying to rip on these guys. I just want to share reality because look what God does. He doesn't see David as this loser kind of guy. He sees him as this mighty man, a man of God. He sees Abraham as a man of faith, Noah, as this man who redeemed this this land. That's how God sees us. And again, I love how Jesus comes into this mess of a, of, of, of a generation, you know, of His lineage. It's a mess, but yet God just uses it and empowers, it empowers me to know that, okay, I know I'm a, I'm a mess up, Lord, but I know that You can empower me and that You can use me in ways I never thought I could be used. I wanted to share one of the things when I was uh, in um, middle school or junior high, eighth grade, is uh, I love this one band, and I just basically, these guys were my heroes, and I would sit there, I'd listen to their music, and one time my dad came down, and I don't know why I did this, but I had the speakers. I was laying on my back, and the speakers were between my ears, and it was super loud, and it just was awesome, okay? And my dad comes in, and you know, in his German accent, Bruce line, what the music's so loud? And I, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. So I turn it down. But I, I, I just, I don't know if you guys ever do that. You've got these people that you, you really you lift them up, and they're heroes, and you follow them. That's how I was with this band, and I just started to just follow them. I'd read all the things they, they wrote about. And Well, then one day, uh, I read that these guys were, I mean, they're doing drugs. They're just partying like crazy after concerts, and I'm like, these are the guys that I'm following? These guys are my heroes, I thought these guys were, were just the studs of the world. Well, I was, again, as I was preparing for this and just praying and just saying, God, why do you put these things together of all these people who I thought were my heroes in this genealogy, but you're the one who redeems them, and you're the one who lifts them up. I actually, Christy told me to watch this video, and so I want you guys to watch this video really quick. This is Bono. He is the lead singer of U2, and that was the band. I, I went to their concerts, you know, a couple years ago, and he, when, he started, when they started the band U2, and again, U2 is one of, to me, is one of the biggest bands in the world. They've sold over 135 million uh, records, and, and Bono has done a lot of humanitarian work. But again, I, as I listened to this, I just thought, you, as you read this genealogy, 
you have to stop and you have to say, who, who is this Jesus? You cannot just go and live life and go, Jesus was a great teacher, because I love what Bono says, because he wasn't a good teacher, because if he was a good teacher, he'd be a nutter. I love that. He's a nutter. He'd be like Charlie Manson, uh, who, you know, taught weird stuff. Jesus said he was the Son of God, so if he was a good teacher, how could he say that? I want you to, um, Luke chapter 9, and this is what I want to end with, and I and I want you, as you look at your connection card and you think about, what does this mean? Why this genealogy? And what, what is Luke trying to say? And what is God wanting to say through Luke's writing? Jesus just gets done feeding the 5,000, okay, in Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? That's what I ask. As you look at the genealogy of Jesus, and you look at his baptism and his start of ministry, who do you say that Jesus is? Because if you do say he is the Son of God, then things, things can happen with your life. God can do amazing things. You know, we were, if you, uh, in, your, in your handout, there's a little promo for the Easter service. And what's really neat is this egg, if you notice that there's, the egg's cracked and there's a Band-Aid and they're like trying to <laughs> mend this egg that's falling apart. Because really that's what our lives look like. That's who we are. And we try to get our Easter outfits and, you know, maybe bring friends to Easter service and we want to look perfect. But let's just come to that reality. We're messy. And, and Jesus was from that messy family because he knew that we're messy people. And if we accept him, he'll take our mess wherever we are, wherever we are. And, and he's going to change it. And I really hope today that you can just, sometimes just that simple check, or just maybe you want to write something on that connection card. Bruce, I don't know what it is, what I need to do, but I want to do it. And it starts today. I hope you can do that.